Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to the Umarpreneur Live podcast, where I interview Muslim entrepreneurs at the top of their game to talk about business, lifestyle, mindset, entrepreneurship, and everything in between. And today I have with myself none other than Brother Tafazal Muhammad. Assalamu alaikum, brother. Welcome to the podcast. It's an honor and a pleasure to have you here. And just to give you guys a little bit of background on uh, Brother Tafazal, or also Taf, as we can call him, uh, and I think we'll do that for this episode. He's a faith-inspired and certified life coach. He's empowering Muslim men to get the most out of life and become the happiest, best versions of themselves. And in his own words, it's oftentimes difficult as Muslim men to focus on ourselves when we're expected to hold it up for so many others. However, it's imperative that we fill our own cup first so we can show up powerfully for the people around us. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some very interesting topics and also the state of Muslim men today, what we can do to hopefully improve and other juicy conversations that I'm sure you're going to enjoy, inshallah. So assalamu alaikum. So excited to get started. Okay, <laughs> forward to this, brother Abi. Inshallah. And so the best, the best place to start and one that I really like to begin with is if you could share with us, uh, Brother Taf, just... Uh, the journey that inspired you to become a life coach in the first place. So what inspired you to get into business and do this? Well, um, to be honest with you, I, I did my life uh, coaching certificate back in 2012. Mm -hmm. And I ventured off into different things. Um, you know, I'm a trainer by profession, you could say. I did youth work. Uh, I consider myself actually a social scientist because I've been involved in working with people over the last 25 years in different uh, guises. And um, although I have a, a master's in community leadership, I, I, I guess my focus wasn't quite there in terms of personal purpose. So um, really where my current tenure of uh, coaching with men comes from is, is from my own personal experience of uh, uh, facing a divorce, in fact. And the you, you could say the fallout of the divorce itself, uh, I was actually four months um, in depression, although I didn't actually accept that myself mentally that I was depressed um you know I was going to work you know doing things that we always you know we all do you know at work um putting a front on myself I was putting a front on I'm just doing things uh, as 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 I would every other day but after four months I realized actually something had to be done I had to change quite a lot of things and through my own personal journey of recovery in fact from that that four months of uh, I call it the pit in fact you know the, a really difficult dark place for me um, uh, I decided to look that there are going to be many other Muslim men who are going through something similar, if not the same experience, and I need to reach out to them. And I always have this saying that, you know, you know, your story could be someone else's survival kit. So my story literally has helped so many Muslim men survive uh, mentally and even emotionally what they're going through. Uh, and I feel that, you know, in many ways fulfills my own personal purpose for Rabi. Mashallah, well, that's beautiful to hear. And, you know, now you decided to take those experiences and this journey that you've been through and share it with others. I want to ask you, because a lot of, you know, people before they get started in business, they think that they need, you know, so many qualifications and degrees and, and business experience. Uh, but would you say that what's more important is the degrees or is it something personal that you've been through or something that you've overcome that you could possibly share with others? What's your perspective on that? Well, I'd, I'd say, you know, you need the professional um, understanding or practice or the principles of a particular area or discipline. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's really important. But there's nothing greater than someone actually speaking from the other side, as it were. Mm -hmm. So, 
Well, I've been there, I've done it, I have the t-shirt, right? So I'm, you could say, a success story of somebody facing something really drastic and using certain principles and coming out the other end and saying, you know, if you want to really experience the, the, the pathway to success, why don't you follow what I did successfully? So I'd mm-hmm. say, you know, they both go hand in hand, but you cannot replace experience. You cannot replace the experience of going on a walk, you know, going on a trek, uh, uh, you know, going on a trek or a walk or climbing a mountain actually is the experience which is totally different to speaking about it from the bottom. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And you chose specifically to take that experience you've been through and share with other Muslim men. And, you know, some people listening to this, they might listen to this and think to themselves, well, what do Muslim men need help with, right? Like they have all, you know, they have, they have it, they have it good, right? It's, it's the women that need all the help, but clearly you've been through a journey where yourself, you experienced hardship. And as you mentioned, you've been through a difficult time and, and a divorce and you've had to overcome these challenges. And you recognize there are probably other men who also have to overcome these challenges. We're going to talk about your opinion on, on, on the state of Muslim men, but I want to ask you why you chose specifically to work with men. Why, what do you feel needs to change or, or, or what is it that we need help with right now as Muslim men? Uh, Brother Abi, and to all your listeners, you know, as, as, a, as a man, as a Muslim man, you know, I, I can speak from my own personal experience. Mm-hmm. And I know this with all the friends and the, the people I've worked with, the men I've worked with, the one common thing has been throughout every experience is that it's very difficult for men to speak about their issues and when you're a muslim man i think some of the cultural things that we have in terms of how a man is meant to be you know strong right and we have this term ter- general term you know no man up you know if something wrong with, with with someone they say man up you know be a man or be a real man right i mean what does that even mean and the thing is that where does a man like myself and yourself go to when we have a really difficult challenge mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and it's, it's oftentimes I found personally, again, I've been many years as well that, you know, there have been men who have literally cried in front of me because they said it's the first time I've been able to speak to someone about what I've been holding in for years. Right. So when I'm working with men, I actually, uh, you probably feel the energy now. I, I, I literally light up when I'm speaking about this issue because I, I, I've experienced it myself. And I've experienced it with every single man who wants to better their lives. So there's a, a, a misunderstanding that, you know, men, generally speaking, and even Muslim men have it good, right? Because we have so many hats to wear. You know, we're the son, right? So we've got to behave like a son, okay? We're the, the brother, so we've got to be the brother, the older brother, let's say, looking after the younger brother. We're the husband, we have to kind of have this really strong front provide the living, the environment, emotional support, the spiritual support, and everything else going. And at the end of the day, Brother Abby, we ask ourselves a question when all of that is said and done, when do we have the time for ourselves? And I have personally found that we don't actually give ourselves the time that we need. And it's back to that same thing again. You know, uh, Emily Moriton says uh, something like, which is so important that, you know, the tree that denies itself water and sunshine is unable to bear fruits for others right so we sometimes sacrifice ourselves so much and have little time to reflect on really what's going on with us until sometimes unfortunately it's too late definitely and it's interesting you bring this up because 
uh, if we look at the stats, if we actually look at the uh, the statistics, the there are a greater number of suicides in men than in in women, right? And and that this is just a fact. It, it's it's part of the statistics. Do you think do you think that has something to do with it? Absolutely, and I'm not saying this because of the um, uh, st stats. They speak for themselves. Absolutely, mm -hmm. they're, they're kind of very rigid. But again, I've I've worked with Muslim men and non-Muslim men. Yeah. And the common factor again is the an inability to be able to speak about their issues. And in mm -hmm. fact, uh, I was working with um, a project um, with with uh, the uh, Royal Navy, in fact, here in the, in the UK. And uh, one of the gentlemen, a couple of gentlemen who are actually on the part of the program about three weeks after the program actually shared that one of their best friends who was part of the Royal Navy committed suicide. And it's wow. like, you know, you, you've got a real man, right? He's part of the Royal Navy. He's, he's like this macho man. He has his image. He's strong. But, you know, there was something obviously that was uh, bothering him, but was affecting him so much so that he had to take his own life. Mm. And when you think of it that way, you think, how can a human being go through something to such uh, high, you know, uh, affects them in such a way that, you know, they have to take their life and they don't feel they have someone to speak to or even share what they're feeling with someone in the, in the sense that, look, you know, maybe if I speak to Abby, maybe I speak to Taff, maybe I speak to so-and-so person, maybe they might be able to help me to see something different. What is that barrier? What is that block? And I tell you what that block is, brother, from my personal experience and what I've experienced with men again, is that we feel sometimes we're going to be burdening someone, mm -hmm. right? Or I feel, look, if, if I actually become vulnerable, right, to Abby, if I say, Abby, look, you know, I'm not going through something really great right now. I'm having a hard time. Even saying I'm having a hard time feels like I shouldn't be saying that to Abby. No. Why would I want to burden him? And my hard time might be, relatively speaking, not so hard compared to what he's going through. So I almost talk myself out of this thing. But you know what? I think when you have a gut feeling about something and you're not feeling well emotionally, I think it's so important to share what you're feeling. We will talk about the role of women afterwards, you know, our wives mm -hmm. and our sisters afterwards, yeah. inshallah, because they have such a huge part to play. Yeah. I want to ask you because I wonder where this, uh, I mean, I mean, of course we have, it's interesting because now we're in a time where there's a certain shift and I'm not too sure where this shift is going. And, there's a shift where you know, we have the traditional masculinity, uh, this, this vision of, of the macho man, you know, the one that doesn't, you know, that's strong and that's, you know, has the big muscles and he's, you know, right there on the front line, you're protecting his family, providing for them, et cetera. Uh, but also more and more now we are seeing uh, the opposite, right? Uh, so we're seeing a lot of times as well in, in, in media, um, portrayals of the uh, of, of the other extreme, which is very effeminate men, right? Who who essentially uh, model the opposite gender. Now, as a man growing up, it can be very confusing because you have all these different extremes, and sometimes it's hard to find a balanced role model, someone who you know, looking up to another man who has those qualities of strength and endurance, and and, and you know, taking charge and being a leader, but also is not afraid to be vulnerable. And emotional and open up please yeah absolutely amazing brother and the mm -hmm. thing is that you know uh, uh, and i hear this a lot and people will say look 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 at the the the, the seer of the prophet Sallam, right sorry uh, you have the answers there now mm -hmm. that that is such a broad statement that you're giving me the answer but you're not giving me the answer right mm -hmm. 
Now, let me tell you, share something with something really beautiful. The first time I heard it, I was in tears because I realized, subhanAllah, literally we have such an amazing example. And we know this, yeah. but in the context of strength and softness, yeah. right? We know when the uh, Prophet ﷺ received revelation, okay? He came down from the mountain and he came to his wife, beloved wife, Khadija, you know, our mother, and what did he do? Mm. He actually put his head in her lap and he said, cover me. Mm. This is a man who was at the forefront of everything to do with defending his people, his community, right? So there's the strength. There's the, 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 the strong man we're talking about. But yet he saw this comfort in the lap of Khadija, may Allah be pleased with her. Right, and there's a soft side. So we need we need to be men who are strong, yet gentle, mm. and we need to be vulnerable in the right places. And that's why I feel our sisters, our wives, have such an important role to give us that comfort. Because I can guarantee you, every single man, even though he puts on a brave front, he wants that soft spot, mm. and seek he wants to seek it in a woman. Right. It's interesting because, you know, and uh, we've heard this before, but essentially, you know, there's this this popular saying that men look, men essentially are, you know, they look in their wives or like they look to their wives for the same affection and, and, and protection and love that they were given from their mothers, right? And, and there's all, I think for every single man at some point, there's a realization uh, that your wife's just never going to love you the way your mother does. It's different. It's a different kind of love, right? Yeah. But we kind of seek that. And I think there's once once that reala realization is made, there's kind of switch uh, yes. that turns on in your mind. I guess, I guess you're 100% right. They will never replace your mother. Mm. But I think the most important thing is that, I, I mean, uh, my wife and I, I, I got married after my divorce. Again, alhamdulillah, it's an, an amazing love story, brother. Someday I'll, I'll share it. We're going to do some of that work. And it was a lot of inner work for both of us. We both came mm. through a divorce which was difficult for both of us uh, but at the other end you know there was one thing that came out for me we both came up with a statement and the statement was imagine being loved just the way you love mm. imagine being loved the way you love and this is what we found in each other mm. brother Abby that only came is when we became very vulnerable and do you know how difficult it was to be vulnerable? Because, you know, when you're going to be vulnerable to someone, they could take advantage of that, right? Yeah. yeah, they know your weaknesses now. Mm -hmm. But our thing is that not unless you are able to go into that space of being vulnerable, you're not going to be able to seek or gain that help from the very person who's going to live with you for the rest of your life. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think with, with, with your spouse, you, you have to be both equally vulnerable understand where garments to each other right a lot Allah tells us where garments and that's that's part of it being vulnerable with each other so we protect and we cover and we give this you know uh, uh, safe space for each other to be able to then you know if we need to hold our partner because they're crying maybe because they're emotionally disturbed about a past experience we know we're in safe hands but that takes work Abby as we know it takes work mm -hmm. and, I, and I, what I'm saying as a man I have to do the work myself, inside of myself first, to conquer myself. Mm. You know, um, 
Les Brown talks about this uh, amazing, uh, shares this amazing African proverb. Uh, and he said, and he says something like, you know, um, the enemy outside can do you no harm if you conquer the enemy within. Mm. Right. And, it, and it's about us mastering ourselves. And I don't mean mastery in the sense of this coaching speak. I'm talking about more of this thing about knowing yourself, you know, uh, knowing yourself that who you are, what your values are, what you stand for, what your purpose is you know, what your likes are, your dislikes are, and then you are the, the very transparent person to, to, to other people. You're not, you're not, let's say, you're not putting on a, a mask to other people. When you're working with, uh, with other men and, and you're trying to help them get to that place where they can, uh, inshallah, you know, gain that self-mastery over themselves. And when I say self-mastery, I say that with, with a grain of salt personally, because I know that it is a goal that can never truly be achieved and it will always forever be a work in progress. Um, and we, we know also from the Prophet Sallallahu that it is the greatest jihad that we can do, which is jihad and nafs, right? But when you're working with other men to, to help them at least take those steps necessary to move forward in that journey, what are the most common barriers or blocks that, that you're usually faced with, with your clients? The, the most common issues that men have to overcome that you're seeing in your work you know one of the first ones is is that um, i don't deserve any better than i have right now a lot of uh, muslim men have uh, have apathy and uh, literally the alhamdulillah whatever I have, I have and what happens is they put a ceiling on what they can achieve and 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 the issue for me is this is so important that you know when we think a certain way what we do is we write our destiny straight away and what do I mean by that? You know, there's a Chinese proverb that goes like this, that, you know, be careful of your thoughts because your thoughts become your words. Be careful of your words become your, because your words become your actions. Be careful of your actions because your actions become your habits. Be careful of your habits because your habits become your, you know, your character. Be careful of your character because your character becomes your destiny. I mean, brother, it starts with the thought whatever we think will eventually become our destiny so you know if if i believe that i don't deserve more guess what's going to happen i'm not going to have more and that's a big mindset shift to make it's a big it's challenge true. and it, and it's a uh, it's it's interesting because i I've, I've done uh i've done a lot of work to try to overcome this and i i will say you know publicly on the podcast right now uh that it is a work in practice. What that means is the minute I don't take proactive steps to constantly instill that belief within me, yes. it quickly fades away. Yeah. Well, Very quickly. Thing, Abby, the thing is that, you know, we're never stagnant. We're either moving towards or away from. Mm. Either moving towards this greater goodness, greater version of ourselves, or we're moving away from it. There's nothing. We're never going to be in a static place forever. Yeah. Right. And I, and I think that's what the driving force is for, for, for me and I guess yourself. And, and then you hear that, but you hear that and it's a part of me, Kyle, but I feel like, man, but that's exhausting. Like I'm never going to get to a place where I can just, it's taken yeah. care of and I can move on. Like it, that's yeah. not going to happen. Well, do you know, for, for me, Ambi, what is, you know, the, the verse that really always uh, forces me to continue is God Aflaham and right? That he succeeds who purifies himself. A purification. I was taught by my teacher. 
was that it's a it's a it's a lifelong thing. You never get there. It's a constant effort of self purification. And the minute you think you've got there, that's your downward road to going back there, kind of thing. You know, you 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 are never there, and that's what propels us to always like Prophet Sallallahu said again. You know, a believer's two days should never be the, no two days should be ever ever be the same, right? So we should always be moving towards that, right? Mm -hmm. But it's a state of consciousness, you know, trying to get to a state of consciousness, and that consciousness starts first thing in the morning, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, if we set ourselves right with uh, the, the, the prayer and all those things that we do, you know, inshallah, we hope that that day starts as a, an amazing day and it continues as such. So our early morning starts almost dictate what the rest of the day could look like. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and the second thing actually tied to this is that people um, usually say that I don't have the time. Right. You know, I have so many things to do. I've got the kids, I've got the family, I've got work. And so they have so many competing responsibilities, right? But it's not about managing time as, as you and I know. It's about prioritizing, right? Exactly. Precisely. You can't manage time. Time, Time's fixed, right? We've got to prioritize, you know. And part of prioritizing is actually working out what is important to me in my life. So I have something called, uh, it's not me, but, you know, it's what I learned. It's, it's pies, right? No, not mince pies, but pies. <laughs> As an acronym, right? So what we need is we need good health or good energy in these four areas. So we need mm -hmm. physical health or physical energy. Right. Uh, the more physical health we have, the warmer, more we're able to do things. We have energy to do things, right? Right. So I is the um, uh, intellectual energy we, we need. Intellectual energy is all about trying to focus on the things we need to focus on. You know, like going to the gym, uh, focusing on work, entrepreneurship like yourself and, and, and I, brother. We need that intellectual energy. E is for emotional energy. And emotional energy is about resilience. How much resilience do we have when life throws us, you know, different things? You know, when adversity hits us, how much resilience do we have? And last but not least is uh, spirituality. What is our purpose? What is our mission? What is the meaning of our life? You know, for us believers, it's a higher cause, obviously, right? We need to have strong spiritual, a, a strong spiritual purpose that keeps us going. I remember I mentioned this earlier on, Brother Abi, when we were speaking about having a purpose that's like, you know, emptying the ocean with a spoon, right? It's beyond you. It's huge, right? You'll never achieve emptying the ocean with a spoon, but you're not worried about emptying the, emptying the ocean anymore. You're, you're, you're looking at a huge vision in front of you, that purpose that you're continuously working towards. Mm -hmm. Inshallah. Inshallah. Yeah, that's it. The journey never ends. And uh, even when we talk about entrepreneurship, um, you know, it's there, there's this famous quote that, uh, th that I can't remember precisely word for word, but I'm going to paraphrase. And it's essentially that the beauty of entrepreneurship is not you know, the end goal and, and the, sex you, the, the success you might achieve uh, if you, once you reach whatever milestone you want to reach, but rather the person you become along the way. And I think that's really important because in every pursuit, it will require you to, uh, you know, challenge yourself in new ways and, and leave your comfort zone and do things you've never done before. Well, and there's, there's only good in that. Yeah, please. Absolutely. No, I would say that there is a hadith about, uh, uh, about you know, uh, which, which 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 talks about not focusing on actually the outcome, 
and, and you know the hadith and i'll paraphrase uh, again the prophet said that you know um if you were going uh, to um plant a seed or a date sapling in the grove and the day of judgment was about to descend upon you go ahead and plant it mm. and the scholars have said why would we be told to plant a seed when the day of judgment has arrived right it, it, it's not going to bear fruits and what they said was that it's it's not within our realm to, to to bring the outcome the outcome is with allah our duty is to plant our duty is to do something and the outcome is with allah and then what happens just like emptying the ocean with a spoon we we don't focus more anymore on the the outcome we focus now on the steps we take and part of those steps is like you said you know we become this person you know it's how it kind of molds us to be better and better each day yeah definitely and looking back even for myself starting this business uh omarpreneur and my marketing agency and so many others i've always had to overcome beliefs that i that i had or views that i had and change them and and, and honestly that it kind of expands your mind to a point where you now have a bit more empathy to others and have a bit more understanding to others as well. And I think the people who are very rigid and who are, you know, very judgmental and, uh, you know, tend to, to view others within a box are usually people who didn't have many experiences themselves in life where they could then expand those viewpoints. And, well, and it's unfortunate. You're right. I mean, the, the third point is about the people say it's going to take too long, like I mentioned. And, and the thing that I always ask my, uh men and groups and and uh face-to-face -face sessions i used to do a few years back was that you know if if someone's going to climb a mountain when can they say they were successful mm -hmm. right at which point have they attained success and brother nine times out of ten people will say at the top and the answer is no it's when they take the first step Take it even one step means you have attained success because you've started the journey. Yeah. Right? Again, it's not about the outcome, right? Mm -hmm. And this is something beautiful about our dean that we're not, let's say, responsible for the outcome. What we're responsible for is the niya, the intention, right? And the himma and the action, right? So that's what we need. We need the intention and the action, you know, uh, congruent you know the, the right intention with the right actions and you know inshallah whatever happens happens and we know even the prophet didn't see the fruits of his work in his lifetime right and and, and there's an exactly he saw the fruits but he didn't see all the fruits of the expansion of you know his his you know the deen mm -hmm. definitely subhanallah um and you know, I want to ask you because you shared something really beautiful about your concept uh, of pies, right? And how you nurture yourself and, and you maintain those different energies, which are the physical, uh, the intellectual, the emotional, and the spiritual. What are some habits that people can follow or implement in their lives to try to maintain those energy levels so they can, inshallah, perform and, you know, keep, keep everything that we're talking about in mind and apply it to their lives? Yeah, number one is... <laughs> there's a warning right <laughs> if you do not take care of yourself you will not have the energy in all those areas to look after other people thus those people that you the, the people that you love 
So the first thing I say, do not ever feel guilty about spending time on yourself. Do not ever feel guilty. In fact, you know, in, in one context, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks in the Quran and he says, right? So save yourself and your family from the fire. But he says, save yourself first, right? And we know the context of that is about faith. But saving ourselves means that we become a person who understands who we are and we are the strongest version of ourselves that was meant to be us. So the first thing is that don't feel guilty and make sure you look after yourself. And, you know, the biggest thing is use the pies, but also think about your, your health and well-being. You know, the health and well-being, our health and well-being is so important. The more good we feel about ourselves, the more energy we have, the more we can actually help those people around us who we love and even humanity, you know, the, the the world is 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 is, is a village now right we, we can communicate with people and i've seen a couple of people putting on here from india and other parts of the world i mean a few words can change someone's trajectory from being something that there was negative to something positive right so let's not belittle the time we're going to spend on ourselves because again you know we can our story could be someone else's survival kit literally a survival kit that changes somebody's mind from wanting to take their life to all of a sudden saying you know what i'm worth it i'm worth it i'm going to live and i'm going to inspire other people to have amazing lives so that's that's number one and we have this duty of care you know we talk about duty of care you know when we're working with children and others we have a duty of care to ourselves first and foremost the second thing I say as a tip is what I mentioned earlier about the thoughts that we we hold, you know, our thoughts will become our destiny, right? So always check what you're thinking, right? And stop yourself. Stop yourself from, uh, you know, uh, self-sabotaging thoughts, thoughts that bring you down. The Prophet ﷺ never, ever taught us to think less than, our, uh, than ourselves. Even the inspiration he gave at the Battle of Khandak was, you know, you will conquer Persia, right? Uh, amidst all that, you know, what's they, they were surrounded by everyone, right? The people, you know, going to hurt them and, and harm them and, you know, everything was, all the odds were against them, but he inspired them. So our thing is that, you know, we, we, we should think and feel positive and look to, to be optimistic. I know sometimes it's difficult, but we have to try it. And we have to then have people around us that are also of the same tribe, as it were, right? Who are also inspiring, who pick us up when we're feeling down. Number three, I'd say, Brother Abby, is uh, rekindle an old passion. Uh, you know, I mentioned earlier on that I went through this 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 divorce and in and, and four months I was just, in fact, when I, when I left home, I left with a, a sports bag and just a few clothes in my sports bag. And um, I actually ended up sleeping on my eldest son's living room sofa for four months. So I was living out of a sports bag uh, from the living room of my son. And from owning my own home to go into such a situation, uh, you can guess what that felt like. But what happened with Abby was this thing inside me came to me one day that, you know, that, that I used to be this person, you know, and, and I thought to myself, what did Taf used to do? 
when he was the most happiest in his life. And I realized actually it was fitness. I've always been into fitness on and off over the years. And it was something that I gave up because again, you know, I was doing things for everyone else except for myself. You know, it's like that empty my cup and having nothing left for myself. So I had less energy. So I went back into the gym and Abby, I'll share with you. I went back in the gym and I'll be happy to share this with everyone. In the last three years or so, my fitness got to such a level that I'd say I, I'm more fitter now at 55 than I was at 25, right? And in fact, I'm registered for a Guinness World Record, which I'm aiming to do, inshallah, within one year, which is the most knuckle press-ups in three minutes, right? I'm 55, I'll be 56 in a, in a few weeks' time. I mean, who would have thought a grandfather, right, would be going for a world record, at, at, forget about push-ups, but knuckle push-ups, right? They're, they're even worse, right? But but have rekindled no passion. Don't give in. Try to look back at what really brought you to life and and, 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 and do that thing. And what we do is we, we, we tell ourselves, don't know, I used to do this and I used to do that. No, you can do it again. Uh, number four, and I mentioned this, have a cause. Have a cause that's bigger than you. It will help you to focus on something great, you know. It will help you to focus on something that perhaps is about helping other people. Perhaps it's less fortunate. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's somebody in your community. Maybe it's volunteering, whatever it is. Have a cause, something bigger than you, something that's going to, literally get you out of bed every single day whatever that causes sometimes it's entrepreneurship brother abby you know for you perhaps it's everything that you've done it's been entrepreneur is your thing right and and on and with that i'd say that uh brothers and sisters were listening you know if you see your brothers and sisters were entrepreneurs and doing this kind of work support them support them give them your support even if it's verbal support if it's not verbal support give them financial support by buying their services by investing in them this ummah you know uh you know the 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 the, the rising tide lifts all boats you know when we ra raise each other we're all being raised as an ummah collectively right it's so important and number five i'd say is um prioritize don't think about managing time start to prioritizing uh, start prioritizing and you know my wife and I developed something called the seven F sphere so we look at seven F's right in a person's life you know from fitness faith fun family frequency flame finances so you have your seven F's and we help you know individuals do an audit of uh, you know their seven F's and whichever F or F's they want to work in we help them identify some very specific actions so the way uh, I work is, you know, is, is a three-pronged approach. You know, first, a clarity on what a person needs to, to work on in their life. Number two, actions that are relevant to the areas they want to work at. Number three, accountability. That's where I come in. What, that's where coaches come in. That's where a mentor comes in to take you to account because that helps. And I have to just say this, that, you know, the thing is that when I came across this distinction, it was amazing that, you know, sometimes I've been involved in things and I was interested, not committed. You know, interested people will say, I'm interested in this because it feels really good, right? You know, I'm passionate about it. But what happens is they let excuses get in the way and they then lead an ordinary life. And what happens that interest falls by the wayside. But when you're committed, 
you will not let anything stop you achieving that thing. You will move every stone out of the way. You will invest everything. You will lose sleep. You will talk about it day and night. You will share it with your friends, which shows you're committed. So brothers and sisters, for yourself, ask yourself the question when you're wanting to do something. Like, let's say, for example, losing weight. Am I interested in losing weight or am I committed? When you answer that question, you will almost work out where you're going to go. Either you're going to go on a path towards I'm interested and a week later you're coming and having the samosas and kebabs and, and whatnot, right? Or if you're committed, it's like, no, I have some goals to achieve. This this was absolutely beautiful, mashallah. I mean, I don't even know uh, where to begin, but so many gems dropped, mashallah. And I want to shift this conversation a little bit right now to uh, our, our, our sisters, right? And, uh, you know, Muslim women that are listening to this, and mashallah, we have a few of them in the audience right now that are really enjoying this conversation. And one question that I have for you is, how can the sisters that are listening to this what are the steps that they can take to help empower their male counterparts to drive forward that change where they can improve together, they can be better together, they can create those relationships of harmony where you know both sides are, are working for the betterment of each other? SubhanAllah, beautiful question, brother. And, I, and I'll go back to the Prophet Ali Salatu Salam again. Mm, and it's that same, same incident, brother. The Prophet Islam said, cover me, cover me. Zammiluni, Zammiluni, right? Mm. And what did our mother say to him? I'll be by your side. Mm. You do not wrong anyone. You never pass by smiling, you know, to an orphan or a widow. What did she do? She basically believed in him. You know, first thing is for our sisters to, is to believe in the men who are by your side. Mm right because you know behind every great man is a greater woman and that's true you know there's nothing that cannot be achieved which is achievable if you have that person with you i don't know some people take you know exception to you know behind a great man is a great woman no i don't mean behind i mean alongside right you know the stronger the support that the man has, he can achieve anything. Wallah, he can achieve anything. And it's just a few kind words that I'm with you. And second thing is that I believe you. I imagine the, the physiology change of, of a husband when his wife says, you know, I believe you. I'm with you and I believe you. It's just the man will be able to conquer anything and our sisters have to believe this number three subhanallah love him because he's a believer in allah mm -hmm. he's a believer he believes in our rab which is we know we're like one-fifth of the the world's population we're a minority bro we're a minority mm -hmm. you have a man here who believes in allah which is an amazing thing. I know it's an obvious thing, but just think about that for a second. We have a believer. We have an ummati, somebody who follows the Rasul, alayhi salatu wasalam. Wow, and that's a huge thing. Right? So, believe in him. You know, um, 
support him. Remember that he's a believer in Allah as well. And number four, and what I'm coming across as well, is be kind to him. You know, there's a hadith, and I have it here, and I'll read it to you, you know. Uh, and uh, it's, it says, kindness affects all things. There is not a thing to which kindness is added that it does not improve it. Nor is there a thing from which kindness is removed that it does not render it defective. And that's in, in, in Bukhari and Muslim. So kindness is so important. You know, and, uh, you know, my wife and I have this thing about how, you know, when we give, we receive. And it's like an infinity symbol. You know, when we give to our spouses, we will receive that back. So the more we give, the more we receive. Again, the rising tide will lift all boats. What happens is we will improve as a couple together. So we're raising our own levels of faith, of iman, of you know, uh, understanding of belief, etc., etc. So be, be, be kind to him. But I want to say this thing to brothers as well. And maybe I'll, I will, I will, you know, talk about the state of Muslim Ren right now. So some more things that I'd like to speak about. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my wife posted this quick question to, to, uh, to men. And the question was, if you could give one piece of advice to women on how best to support the man in, in her life, what would you say? Right. And some, bizarre answers and some deeply profound answers right. and 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 some other bizarre answers were like you know uh be quiet you know uh, uh just just leave me alone kind of thing and you kind of work out that somebody's having a hard time you know with it with their partner but we were looking for like substance you know something that really would help their kind of counterpart understand ah this is what he needs because without that conversation between man and woman how do you know what your significant other needs because i'm guessing not many people have these conversations at a dinner table at a very deep level and they're being vulnerable and transparent right because it needs that strength and it needs that courage to be able to say you know what i don't quite feel really positive when you say that right or you know what could you say a little bit more of that because you know i'm i'm a, I'm a man of uh, positive affirmation my love language is, is words of affirmation so when you say great things to me, I feel great. But when you say things like, oh, you're useless, then I, I feel like a small boy, right? <laughs> so so the thing the thing is we were looking for substance. So what happened was, you know, we came back with, with these things. And one of the things I'd like to point out is that, for example, somebody said, oh, um, you know, I, I, I'd say to her, follow the Quran and Sunnah, right? But what does that mean? Hmm. Yeah, it's the obvious statement, follow Quran. So, but tell me exactly what you mean. What does that mean? So we, we, we have to be able to really drill down and say, this is what I need. Some men even say, look, I, I, I want a Khadija. Well, what do you mean? I want a Khadija. Be a bit more specific. Mm -hmm. right? Spell it out. Because if you're not willing to be Muhammad, how do you expect to have a Khadija? Beautiful, right? he said. Mm. We, we have to. So we, we got to raise our own, again, back to self-mastery. If I raise my level right and i become a person that is you know has integrity has honesty you know i'm transparent i'm, I'm you know i have all those amazing qualities that a believing man should have then guess what then i can, inshallah i will either find somebody like that or i can at least speak to my significant other and say 
this is the case and she'll see that this man is being congruent now mm -hmm. he is actually doing what he's asking for and i think that's so 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 important that you know um you know for men to know what they want and knowing what you want is actually knowing who you are first and foremost deep inside what are my values who am i intrinsically as a person do i value family even what do i value do i value uh freedom do i value love do i value honesty and and really the the minute i find out what these values are for me is the minute i will become more focused on becoming that person more and more so and you know then i can ask my significant other to support me in those things i want to ask you because uh the, the state of muslim men right now and us as muslim men there's you know so much that we uh you know that so many expectations uh that are put onto us and as well so much that we go through in terms of our understanding on what a man should be right we have of course we not only grow with uh, the societal images that, that are surrounded um you know in everything the media and, and everything that we see around us but also uh, the religious uh examples that we have as well yes and as muslim men it's interesting because i i do feel that there is a bit of a crisis right now of masculinity in my personal opinion and a lot of muslim men that i know don't really know where they fit in and, and it you know you mentioned you talking about the state of muslim men right now but what do you think the cause for that is and and what can we do to change for the better or at least to try to improve our state as muslim men well you you hit um a raw chord actually this thing about identity self-identity hmm. uh, and, and you know you we look at movies and how muslims are portrayed we look at you know um uh, the tabloids the media and so on and so forth you know you'll you'll hear i think statistically you'll hear uh 10 or 20 more negative things than you'll, you'll hear positive maybe i'm wrong with that stat but definitely more negative than positive and that what that leaves is an imprint on the mind of the psyche of of the man of the muslim man even because we're talking about muslims here right and even though we don't necessarily kind of think about it overly think about it, it just has a, a, a subconscious effect on us you know as as muslim men and therefore you know um questions like for example are you canadian or british right the question of loyalty are you we have it we've had it here as well are you british or muslim are you american or muslim uh you know um Tariq ramadan once spoke about this you know this thing this this misnomer he's, he, he called it he said look this question about are you this or that he said look a man can be a son it can be a brother it can be a father he can have multiple identities we can have lots of different identities we don't have to fit into one box and that's the most important thing and if there's a negative portrayal of people who share your faith right it's some people who perhaps have done something right in the name of your faith it doesn't necessarily represent you so the journey of self discovery actually is a journey of self pride and there's something really beautiful that you know uh, i i i always like to share as well with 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 some men and i share this in groups that you know when umar radiyallahu anhu was walking into jerusalem when he was uh, the, the the leader of the believers and you know he was with his companion and sharing the 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 the, the animal uh, the riding it and just on the outskirts of uh, jerusalem it was a turn of his companion and to ride it in into the the gates of jerusalem and uh, 
he said to um, Umar, he said, uh, you know, it's, you know, these people, the rabbis and the chiefs and, and, and the monks, you know, they kind of pride their leaders. So please, you know, ride the beast. And what did Umar, Umar say? He's, he, he basically, from what I was told, he hit the man on the chest and he said, uh, mm. We are a people who seek honor in Islam. That's, that's the identity we have, Akhi. The identity we seek honor only in Islam. And the, 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 the minute we go back to realize that that's where our identity is, right? is the minute we start to begin this journey again of, man, where, where does, we have such an awesome identity. You know, we, we, we just have this beautiful deen that gives us everything. The next thing is now, let me do some soul searching on what that gives me in terms of my identity. You know, there's a brother I'm working with, Maruf, inshallah, I pray, I pray to Allah that, you know, he, he watches this at some point. And uh, we're working on something called the high value Muslim man. Right, and pray for us, everyone, that you know we come up with something that almost defines the characteristics of high-value Muslim men. Because mm -hmm. I believe we need a framework to be able to say, ah, there's this point of a high-value Muslim man that I need to work towards. This is what it looks like. The description is there, and these are the things I need to do to become that very man. So we need this, uh, uh, let's say, rediscovery in some ways um, of, of of what a high-value Muslim man is. Yeah, mashallah. And I really love what you said about uh, about uh, you know the part of Izza and and how that you know we are a people where Izza comes from Islam, subhanAllah. And I and I remember that story and I remember and I know uh, that you know the way it ended was with Amr al-Dinanu walking in and, and having his you know his um, essentially his his companion on the on the donkey while he was you know holding him and, and dragging him in <laughs> subhanallah which is it's just beautiful i mean you'll never yeah. see a leader today doing that no you will not and Ahi, I, I, you reminded me Ahi, and the thing is that uh, i remember then somebody saying actually that the, the the monks and the rabbis started to cry mm. because they said is he the leader they said no he's a leader and they said that's the sign of a true leader right subhanallah look at the isa right. that allah subhanahu gave him because of that you know, thought and just doing the thing that he knew was right. Yeah, subhanAllah, subhanAllah. So, so many beautiful examples when you, uh, even, you know, as entrepreneurs and business leaders, when you look at the companions and their stories, lessons on how to lead, right? And leadership. And I think even now they're starting to rediscover and, you know, you have all these buzzwords and, you know, a leader is one who eats last and all of these things. And um, it's like, yeah, we knew this 1400 years ago, but it's okay. <laughs> um, SubhanAllah. There's another thing as well about, about leadership, you know, Sayyid uh, al-Qawmi Khadimuhum, you know, the, the, the leader of a nation is its servant. Mm. And again, Prophet Ali Islam taught us that, you know, it's, it's about servant leadership and he was a, a servant leader, you know, uh, in the home. Yes, you know, husband to, to a wife, he was a servant leader to his community, to uh, orphans, to, to widows. You know, he was a, a servant leader as a mentor. He was a servant leader as a... As a, as a uh, you know, and a negotiator, you know, he had these huge negotiations. And so in every facet of life, he had this real focus mm -hmm. on how to be a leader. Uh, a couple of more things there, Brother Abi, I'd like to mention in terms of uh, state of Muslim men. And I think it's really important, these two. Mm -hmm. and, and one of the things is about um, having a, a really good work-life balance. 
And the thing is, we become, become overstressed and overworked because, again, we have all these competing responsibilities. Uh, that leaves us really so zapped of energy. And, uh, you know, uh, as we get older, we, we cannot do the things that, you know, we want to do. And I, I want to kind of just share something with you uh, that Imam Ali uh, mentioned as well. And, he's, and, he, and he said, uh, the first part of the statement was, how strange and foolish is man. He loses his wealth, sorry, he loses his health in gaining wealth. Then to regain his health, he wastes his wealth. And obviously this is later on in, 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 in his age. So there's a thing that, you know, we, we expend our energy, our youth, uh, in, in, in kind of acquisition of wealth at the expense of our health. And then later on, we're spending our wealth to regain our health. So there's balance that's needed. We need a really great work-life balance, which means, again, going back to the thing about prioritizing, focusing, but having a laser focus on what's going to serve as well, again, in all spheres of life. And, it, and it's so important. You know, uh, and, and the last thing I want to mention was what I'm coming across, Brother Abby, which is um, quite upsetting, but a lot of uh, men are depressed, you know, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, whether it's relationship issues or whether it's to do with, you know, just, again, work, um, uh, things aren't working, maybe it's purpose of life, meaning, they just feel right, just everything's empty, you know, I do the same thing, the same thing day in, day out, I'm not getting anywhere. You know, um, and the thing is that as men, I know for a fact, we tend to keep it in. Um, I'll give you one example, prime example, brother. And, you know, uh, th there was uh, about three, four years ago, uh, four years ago, actually, um, I asked um, a a the friend uh, of, uh, of a friend and uh, we got chatting about things. And I asked him, I said, look, uh, when was the last time your father said he loves you? And this gentleman I was asking uh, was 44 years old and he had his own children. I said, when was the last time your father said he loved you? And uh, brother, you know, he went so quiet and then he his tears started to drop and he couldn't speak for two minutes. And he said, my father has never told me he loves me. And you know what? I resonated with him 100%. There are so many men, not all men, there's so many men who've never been told they're loved by a male figure, by their fathers. Whether it's a cultural thing or something else, but just imagine being a man of 40 or 50, having your own children, even maybe grandchildren, but your father never said he loves you. What kind of effect would that have on someone? I think, uh, you know, this is when we kind of see a cycle of um, kind of narcissistic behavior repeat itself, uh, unfortunately, and, and where we have this wrong full belief that, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not manly to show emotion and it just ends up, I mean, unless we're prepared to break the cycle, uh, the cycle continues and it's very unfortunate. And, and absolutely. And, and, and breaking the cycle is that when, when men feel that I'm a safe space for them, right and they start to open up abby and and i make sure because i read between the lines i'm old enough brother I'm, I'm, i kind of have grandchildren right so i'm old enough and i've kind of experienced so many things in life so many different things in life mm -hmm. so i can tell by someone's body language there's something that they want to say the minute i ask them to open up i kid you not the floodgates open mm -hmm. 
it's the first time they've had anybody that's like older than them, mature, that says, brother, I hear you, please tell me. And then when I share, the first thing is that I, I share my own vulnerabilities. And they say, you know what? Because you said that, I can open up. I know I can open up. Mm-hmm. I've had people disclose that they've been sexually abused, brother. Men. You know, and they've not said anything for 45 years to any human being, not even their parents. And so what, I mean, subhanAllah, some, some, some people are saying, you know, what effect that has on them. We don't know. Because, you know, I always give this example of, you know, you have like a, a, a bottle of uh, soda, right? Yeah. And you have the, 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 the tops closed and like, you know, it's got this, uh, uh, you know, you shake it and what happens? It starts to, you know, build this pressure inside. So what happens when you lift the tap cap? That's it. That's it. So you will see this, that, you know, when men don't have the ability to speak to someone, they never express themselves. They'll come out with, you know, anger, frustration, you know, behaving like a child kicking the walls, you know, and all sorts of things because they've never been able to do this. No excuses to them, but never been able to do this never been taught and don't know how to. And and on top of that, my brother, is there are very few people uh, like us, like you and I, who are not there specifically to do this work. Mm. I mean, if you, if you ask yourself the question, how many coaches are there in the whole world that work with Muslim men? That's a, that, that, that is a Muslim, right? I don't know. Maybe hundred. You're the first person that I uh, that I see doing this. To be honest with you. Well, even, let's say I would say let's say five hundred. That's not enough. Yeah. You know, span like it's not enough. One point three billion. Let's say fifty percent a male. Let's say not even fifty percent. That's huge numbers. We we you know I I never say that I'm enough. I say we need thousands of people like myself helping the ummah because that's exactly what we need, and this. You know, it's it's unfair on our sisters having to face these issues within the home as well, because some of that comes right into the home. Some of those men were mollycoddled when they were younger, mm-hmm. right? They were spoiled, right? And they bring that into their home and they expect the same from their wives, right? And then what you have now is you have an assertive sister. She's going to say, uh-uh, not here. I'm sorry. I'm not your mother, right? And then what happens there? There's 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 a rift and there, and there's a problem and there's a wedge created and you know perhaps it goes off in a different direction. It's not healthy. It's not healthy. So men have to take ownership themselves to say, okay, I'm gonna do some work on myself because when I work on myself, it's gonna help my family. Again, the rising tide lifts all boats. If I work on myself, it's gonna improve my relationship with my wife also my children they're going to be an environment that's really positive not toxic anymore so we we have to yet yeah, we invest in our children learning the quran and you know these things intellectually absolutely brilliant yeah we've got the i sorted out but where's the p e and the s you know mm-hmm. we have to start looking at our lives holistically and when we do that we will see this on my you know inshallah getting back to some semblance of uh, you know glory inshallah you know where 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 we ha- we seek Isa from from Allah and you know we're we're very proud as 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 believers and we don't 
you know, um, kind of feel this inferiority complex. SubhanAllah, because, you know, listening to you talk, uh, so many emotions, uh, honestly, are coming forward. And um, one thing that, specifically the very last thing that you said about, you know, how we raise our children. And I'm thinking to myself that really the key to, to uplifting the Muslim Ummah is in how we're going to raise our children and how we're going to nurture them to be leaders and to, you know, take and uphold the mantle of Islam and, and bring it back to its glory. Uh, because, you know, we, we're in trouble, but maybe the next generation can do something about it. Well, Abi brother, you know, the, the thing about the family, the family is a nucleus of society, mm -hmm. right? It represents that nucleus. And we know what a nucleus is, right? Yes. If the nucleus is strong, society will be strong, right? So therefore, there has to be a strong emphasis on making sure that that family environment, right, is stronger than it is at the moment. And do you remember the thing about, you know, your, your, your thoughts become your words and eventually becomes your destiny. Now imagine if our thoughts about this ummah, about our future generation. So let, let me, let me share this with you. You know, for every nation, right? You know, every nation has uh, assets that it kind of prides itself on, you know, you know, have gold, you have diamonds, you have iron, you have steel, whatever it is, right? Every nation has assets, but the most important component of any nation is its youth, right? 100%. And what they say is, if you want to know the state of any nation, look to the state of its youth. Look to the state of its youth and you'll know the state of a nation. So if we look to the state of our youth, Allah Musta'an, brother. Yeah. You know, we, we, we have to really, there's so many, I could, I could talk about this all day because my prime vocation was youth work. And SubhanAllah, I, I used to deliver something called Muslim youth work. You know how Muslims work in that area. And the thing is, there are so many things we brush under the carpet that, you know, it's a lot of work needed, to say the least. Now, if we think positive of the future generations, then the destiny will become positive. But with those thoughts come also actions that are congruent to that. And the first place it starts is within the family home. I'm, I'm not sure if it's appropriate to say this right now, but you know, my, my work is with Muslim men, but my, my work with my wife, you know, as I said earlier, for people who are just joining us, you know, uh, SubhanAllah, my wife is from uh, Minnesota in the USA. You know, we, we were in a long distance relationship for about four months. You know, we both married before we, after four months, mashallah, we got married here in the UK. Uh, she moved over recently in October. So, we have a really, we've had a really amazing journey on relationships and, you know, how to, you know, enhance connection uh, between people, between Muslims, you know, and uh, we, we are, we will be launching something very soon for, for singles first and foremost, and then hopefully for couples. And the simple thing is this, you know, we, we want to help Muslims find love. There's a taboo around Muslims having love, right? Am I right? Yeah, can Muslims have love? Of course, why not? Can Muslims be in love? It should this, be. <laughs> I, exactly. And and the thing is, it shouldn't even be a question, right? But sometimes when you mention these things that are on love, the connotation is it's like, oh, it's outside of marriage, right? Right? There's, there's, there's very little romance in marriage. What are you talking about kind of thing? You know, we don't have date nights. 
right? Mm. We do have special days. So the, th the thing is that, you know, the whole revival of the family unit has to go back to this thing that how the family unit should be a very cohesive unit, right? Where there's synergy between the, the man and the woman. There has to be synergy. For synergy to happen, there has to be an understanding of what the man needs and what the woman needs. And both roles are complementary. And for that to be the case, a man has to understand himself, a woman has to understand herself. And that's when the understanding comes together, this synergy, this amazing synergy. But we have to let go of our vulnerabilities. And, and, that, and that's the, let's say, the sacrifice we have to make because we're not used to being vulnerable. But mm. I would say, I'll safely say, the safest place to fall actually is with your significant other right and it's so important to be very developed as a, as an individual to then be able to even have the um strength to do that because it requires a lot of strength because you're becoming vulnerable you're opening yourself to this other human being who could literally take advantage of what you say so it requires a lot of work my brother but uh, you know mm. mashallah, we, we 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 wholeheartedly believe that the that the family is a nucleus of of every society and it's interesting that you say that you say this because i am witnessing in our uh in our in our times today more than ever uh the breakdown of the family unit um the slow disintegration of of a fa of the family unit and uh, I'm not. I'm not an expert on this. I can't. I can't speak to it. But at least from my perception, I'm seeing divorce being much more common than it used to be. And I'm also seeing, you know, uh, you know, broken fa not broken families, but essentially, you know, families that are separated. And then, you know, there's a unit there, a unit here. So even my wife, uh, you know, she comes from a divorced family, and so she had to spend time with her her mother and time with her father, and. You know, we're seeing this more and more, this phenomenon, and we're seeing an entire generation growing up with broken families. Yes. What effect is that going to have? And, and, and we also even see it, I mean, at least I see it in the media as well. There's almost this, the, this normalization of, of the broken family unit and this normalization of, uh, of, 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 you know, families that are separated or even, you know, families as we know now um, and that are just, you know, not what we know what we know to be uh to be the strong family unit that we should uphold in our tradition so what's your opinion on that well i i came from a broken family myself so my parents were divorced when i was eight i mm. had to go to pakistan to live for two years myself so i i know firsthand what it's like to be a child of a broken family um i i was divorced so i had children i have children still who uh from a broken family so i i know exactly what it feels like to be a child and also um what it's been like for my children because you know um the thing is that sometimes we don't know what's going on with a child psychologically and i think the lasting effect of emotional trauma right can be very dangerous if it's not dealt with appropriately and sometimes what can happen is that emotional trauma can be carried on into a marriage. So someone has baggage, right? And they've not dealt with their baggage and they're expecting. And unfortunately, this is what, what happens is usually a man is expecting a woman to sort him out. 
right to 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 deal with his stuff and you know mend him so to speak can i also add to that that not just the man but the family of that man is expecting a woman to sort him out and i think very common we see instances where instances where the parents are like oh i can't deal with him let's get him married you know oh, i can't you know this oh, let's get it if a wife will fix him up right the parents have that perspective too many times it's not the solution we know it's not mm-hmm. the solution mm-hmm. it's actually a recipe for disaster because mm-hmm. You know what's happening is he's taking his bad behavior and problems into another person's life. Potentially, if they have children, it'll be more lives. Never mind just one person. It's actually unholy, unfair on her to deal with this guy's problems. Right. So I'm not going to sit on the fence and say, "Brothers, it's okay." No, brothers, you need, you need to sort your stuff out. Right? I'm using different words in front of brothers, but we're, we're live on air. You need to sort your stuff out. You need to really start looking inward and sort those things out. Literally accept that you have problems. Get a therapist, get a coach, get a mentor, whatever you want. Do the work, do the work, do the work. Because if you don't do the work, you will carry that work on, you know, you will carry those problems right into another relationship. And then, God forbid, you know, you take those problems and they extend to, you know, your children. And then therefore, again, society becomes full of all these people with problems. So I personally say, you know, my my, my wife and I, we, we, we say that, you know, because that, that, Michelle, um, she's a river and uh, she used to do lots of workshops for the Catholic uh, fraternity. And did you know, I'm not sure if you know this, but they had a one year program of people going through workshops before they got married. You had to go through a program on how to have a relationship before you could get married. Mm. And, and we're, we're saying exactly what we need. This is exactly what we need. We've got to put the brakes on, right? So this quick fix, right, will solve the problem by getting married or, you know, it'll be okay. You know, he has uh, issues with drugs. He has issues with his temper. He has issues with uh, fraud and all sorts of stuff or whatever it is. No, no, no. What it is. Everyone has to do their work. And, you know, I, I, I believe that every, uh, every person who's thinking of getting married should go through a program, right? And the program should help them to understand who they are, what their needs are, what their non-negotiables are, what their love languages are, and how to actually look and where to look for the right person for them, right? Everybody's not right, right? It's you've got to know yourself first before you know how to look for someone else. And, and it, we can't overemphasize this. It's so important. And, and that's the only way I feel, we feel, in fact, we're going to break that cycle. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you, brother, because, uh, you know, what you do right now is so important and everything that you're sharing. And I think this conversation is definitely one that needs to be had and not just on our platform, but on many other platforms as well. And I appreciate you for bringing it up and for, you know, doing the work that you do and, and trying to, you know, be the, be the driving force, or at least one of the driving forces for that change in our ummah, inshallah. How, I mean, I mean, how important is it for you know people listening to this, men that are listening to this, uh, or even maybe that are not listening to this? How important is it for them to, you know, work with a coach to help overcome these issues and go through the changes and improvements they wish to make in life? Because for myself listening to this. I think for me, what really resonates about being able to work with someone like yourself is the fact that, you know, sometimes if we've lived our entire lives 
in a way where we weren't opening up to others around us and to our wives or maybe even to our siblings or friends, it might be difficult to make that change. But when we work with someone else that is outside of our direct circle, it makes that process much more easier, much more natural. So that for me comes to mind as something that is definitely, you know, going to help someone that's looking for this kind of this, these kinds of these kinds of changes in their lives. Yes. Why else is it important for people to work with a coach like yourself, in your opinion? I'd say one one thing is that a coach is going to be non-judgmental, mm -hmm. right? So I, I I have men who have shared with me many different things, from sexual abuse to uh, having multiple wives, uh, and the first wife doesn't know, uh, to having just different things, uh, and some things I can't even mention. So one thing is that you know. Um, you, you'll have a non-judgmental space. Mm. Number two, a coach like myself who's done the training, but also the training is part of it. It's not, it's not the end. You know, once you have a certificate, it doesn't mean that, you know, you can help people necessarily. Actually, the real work is when you start working with people. I mean, probably the last 15 years, I've worked with so many people who are, have been married and had difficulties of like worked with people with relationship problems and and also at the same time you know with 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 men that have found it difficult to speak to family members for that experience there's a certain method that i have and a certain way that i recognize when a person is using certain vocabulary what they're trying to say and oftentimes it it, it, it's it's an avoidance of the real issue. So someone can say something, but when I read between the lines, they're actually trying to say something else. There's an avoidance of something. Maybe it's a deflection from themselves. So what a, a coach like myself will do is be able to pick on some of the negative self-speak or some of the habits that a person has that is not serving them. Or it'll be the case that a person is actually avoiding something. And I have to call people out in the best way possible to say, look, I understand what you're saying here, but this isn't serving you. I help people to clarify the terms they use and give them ideas on what they can introduce in their family home to make things better. I'll give you one example. For example, there was this one gentleman I was working with, uh, married 20 years, and uh, we, we sat there one day having iftar a few years back, and he said to me, he said, um, Taf, he says, look, you know, for the last 12 years, my wife hasn't said she loves me. And I'm always saying to her, I love you, I love you and stuff. And, you know, she just ignores me. So I said to him, I said, look, okay, um, uh, how does she actually appreciate you? Uh, and he says, I can't think of anything. I says, okay, you know, today's iftar. I said, so who cooked the iftar? He goes, my wife. He goes, you know, she's been out all day. She knew that we had some guests coming around. So she's been like, you know, cooking chopping up the vegetables, everything in the oven, and so on and so forth. I says, hmm. I says, is it somehow that she's showing you love and affection through acts of service? He says, what do you mean? I says, you know, there are five love languages, and one of them is acts of service. He goes, oh, I never thought of that. I didn't even know it was a concept. So I says, okay. I asked him, I says, has your wife ever asked you to do something for her? He goes, yeah, she's always asking me to move this wardrobe in this room. And, and I always keep saying to her, no, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And, you know, uh, I keep avoiding it. I said, well, you know, her, her, her love language is acts of service. And she's asking you to do something as an act of service to connect with you. 
she wants to connect with you i said do me a favor i said tomorrow evening what to do is ask her if you can help her move that wardrobe and call me anyway a couple of uh, days later he called me he goes it's tough you wouldn't believe what happened i said tell me so he said look i asked her if she wanted that wardrobe moving and, and i'm willing to help her and she said are you okay is something wrong with you because no no I'm, I'm okay i'm okay you know you've always been asking me to move that wardrobe and i just thought i'd uh, help you out he said i helped her out and he says you won't believe it that we were like a house on fire we started to speak about different things and just the tension went down and you know we had a cup of tea together and things changed so sometimes uh, uh, you know a man cannot see necessarily himself what's going on and you need somebody like myself to be able to support their understanding of what they can do to enhance the relationship so so it's so important that's beautiful to hear mashallah and thank you for sharing an actual story from one of your experiences because i think it gives us much needed context to the power of, of being able to work with someone like yourself and just getting coaching for anything you want to improve on in life mashallah we're running out of time and i do want to squeeze in a few questions from the audience here before we wrap up um, but before we do, there's one question that I like to ask every single guest before we dive into Q&A. And the question is the following. What is one thing that you would say to younger Taf that was just getting started on his journey, whether it's through entrepreneurship or even just in life, one thing that you could give to him that he could hold on to you know, throughout his journey through life that could maybe help him you know, through this journey, inshallah? Lead a simple life. Mm. I like that. I like that answer. It's simple. I tell you why. I, I tell you why I say that because I, I immediately transported back to Pakistan. So um, we we lived in a village, mm -hmm. and we had we had a dog, we had some chickens, we had a donkey, but we had some sheep. And I remember taking out the sheep every other day, and 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 you know, when I was with the sheep, I I, I remember that time being a time of peace. So. You know, simple is best. I think leading a simple life is actually more difficult than it seems. Hmm. It is, definitely. And our, our, our nature and our reflex, especially with, you know, the way society operates right now is more. How can we gain more? And how can we, you know, accumulate more things and, you know, increase in extravagance? Uh, whereas, you know, what actually makes the human happy is, the things that money can't buy, which is what we talked about in this podcast. We talked about love and, you know, emotional support and, and relationships of harmony. These are the things that bring true happiness and fulfillment. Well, you make a good point that, you know, the, 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 the uh, kind of um, the paradigm is that, you know, you, you, if you do more, you will get more mm -hmm. and you will be more, right? Mm -hmm. But no, no, it's got to be the way around. Be more, right? And then you'll do more and then you'll get more. Mm. Starts oh. with that with being more we have to be more and, and that's why i say it's never a waste of time to spend your mornings you know with yourself with allah you know mm. uh, in, in in that quiet reflection just you and allah just you and yourself thinking about yourself who you are and what the day holds in front of you and actually being in gratitude for some of the simplest things subhanallah you know one day um you know i used to play football many years ago soccer and, um, you know, I, I remember I used to deliver training face-to-face. -face. And uh, one day I, I played, I used to be in the goals mostly, and, and the ball hit my eye. And for two weeks, I couldn't deliver training. And I, and I said, subhanAllah, you know, I didn't realize the blessings of 
having eyes because mm. I can't do anything. Subhanallah. You know? And it's those things we take for granted, yeah. you know? Yeah, subhanAllah. It's only when you when you uh when you lose something that you, you re recognize the value that it has on your life. SubhanAllah. There's uh, a few questions that have come in from the audience that are very, very beautiful and interesting that I'd love to bring up as well. Um, the first one is from one of our viewers on Facebook, and the question is the following. Uh, alongside both husband and wife, uh, they can achieve anything if they have each other's support. My question is, how do you make your husband believe and get out of his comfort zone to address these issues, if, especially if you've been in a hole for years? You know, you, you, you can lead the donkey to water if you can't make it drink. Mm. You know, I'll, 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 I'll say that much because you can't make somebody do something. This, this is, I, I believe, uh, is not the best approach. The thing is that when a, you know, even Tony Robbins says um, something like, you know, it, could t it can take you a lifetime to decide. But once you decide, things can happen at the flick of, of a switch. Yeah. What is it that's missing that a person doesn't decide to change about something that's so obviously beneficial to them? Mm. Right? And that and that's a key question. What is it? So I personally feel that sometimes it can be like we're hitting a brick wall. In that case, if that's the case scenario, I mean, you know, ordinarily let's hope that someone speaks to someone and that that their, their, their husband or wife comes along and says, right, I get you, right? Let's let's work on this together. But let's say it does. I believe then what needs to happen is that other people in that person's life need to be part of this journey to help and support that person. Uh, and, you know, depending on their willingness to accept will determine the outcome for someone. It's very difficult to persuade somebody to change their ways if they're not willing to listen. Mm. And therefore, you have a million dollar question. How can you make someone change their ways? Yeah. You know, and they say usually when a person has a traumatic experience, right? For example, like a divorce or, or a death, right? That, that's when a person is shook and they go, oh, my God, I, there's something wrong here, right? And I, I need to do something different. Apart from that. It's so difficult unless you get external support. You know, there are people who have the the, the know-how, the knowledge, the expertise to be able to work with such people to make them see a different way uh, uh, about things. So, you know, about mindset, about growth, about, you know, why somebody has... Because let's say, let's say for example, a person, you t you're telling your husband something and he's not listening. Maybe he feels there's no value in doing something. Right, this thing that I'm being asked, what what benefit does it have to me? If I can relate that thing to his, you know, world view, you know, he can see some tangible benefit. It might be, oh, I see how this is going to enhance me. Sometimes men like to speak in like you know financial value. Right, this would be the benefit financially to you, or maybe it's maybe it's peace, uh, maybe it's something else. So it's but without working with someone, you you can't really tell, you know, what in what way they're going to be driven to do something. SubhanAllah. Well, thank you very much for sharing that, brother. And there is uh, also another one that is really beautiful that I'd love to get your opinion on. And this one is um, also from one of our viewers. And it says, if you've been in a stagnant marriage for years, how do you get both parties coming out and starting a fre uh, starting starting fresh, like newlyweds, essentially? 
Okay, so I would say the first, the the, the the first, the first thing is actually if they're both willing to work. Hmm. That's the most important thing. Back back again to that scenario. You know, you can you can take the the the, the donkey to the water. We can't make it drink. If right. they're both willing to do the work, there is a lot of hope there. Because what happens is then you start from this acceptance, right, that something needs to be done. And then it's just a process in which you take people through because nine times out of 10, a lot of it is down to communication. You know, either a miscommunication or the way we have filters and how we kind of receive information, what we filter out, what we add, what we delete, you know, what we distort. And, you know, if you can have external support where, you know, both husband and wife are separately spoken to, you know, taken through this uh, process of identifying, you know, what's really bothering them. And then they come together, you know, in a really guided way. And they're given that support to do certain things, right, that have been practical things that my wife and I have tried. We, we, it's like we, we, we know certain things, like back to front. There's, there are no issues, no challenges, because, you know, um, We've been there, we've done it, we've got the t-shirts for it, you know, we're kind of doing this day in, day out, we're developing stuff continuously. Our course in Charlotte, which is coming in um, in July, is for singles only though, unfortunately, but we do work one-on-one -on -one with couples. You know, that piece of work has been in the process for two years. And our, uh, you know, com you know, our kind of combined experience is almost 50 years you know, in training, workshops, facilitation. So we kind of know, we're not wet under the collar, right, so to speak. You know, we, we, we have a lot of experience and we, we've been people who have delivered stuff, facilitated things, worked with, you know, people, real people, and help people solve real problems. So I'd say the first thing is if, if a couple are really interested, really interested. Remember the distinction between interested and committed. So I'd say if they're committed, right? To come along, get in contact with us. Uh, we can have a conversation uh, on on how um, uh, what their challenges are and how perhaps we can work with them, and then have a, a plan we can work you know uh, through. Inshallah. Inshallah, thank you so much for for sharing that. And we got one more uh, Inshallah that will also answer. Uh, and this is the final one from the audience, uh, which is: Can you please give some advice and words of wisdom uh, for men on the importance? Of healing from divorces or separation if you haven't already addressed this uh so if you could share with us maybe some some words of wisdom inshallah for that for people that are going through this yeah, yeah uh uh brother is you know um so i want to come and you know um i have empathy for you as well if that's what you're going through right now i said earlier that that's what i went through i was uh depressed for four months i slept on my uh eldest son's living room sofa and you know people who've slept out of a suitcase in a hotel knows what it's like but you know being in your son's home with his children upstairs uh it was a very lonely place very lonely like i said i i had my own home paid for and everything so i had no you know financial debts etc nothing like that it was humiliating as well at the same time i'd say but one of the most important things i said earlier was that i realized one thing after four months is that i had a passion before but before that passion was ignited, I'd like to share this, that, you know, there was one day when I looked in the mirror, I looked in the mirror every single day, like we all do, right? Uh, you know, kind of sorting our hair out, etc. But, you know, there's this one particular day when I looked in the mirror and 
my eyes caught my eyes, right? I looked into my eyes and this is what I thought to myself and said to myself, I recognize you tough. And that meant to me was that I know you. You are somebody who is strong. You are somebody who to love physical fitness. You are somebody who's honest. You are somebody who is has integrity. You're somebody who's wise. I know you. Let's do something about this. And that for me was transformational because, you know, like Tony Robbins says, it can take a lifetime to decide. But once you decide, it's an overnight thing. It's just like a flick of a switch. I decided then that I was not going to let myself stay in that situation, being depressed any longer because I deserved to have a happier life. Yes, I was divorced. Yes, I was depressed. Yes, I lost X, Y, and Z. But no, I wasn't going to remain in this situation because I had something to live for, right? And like, like I know I'm, I'm living proof and I, I don't want to brag, you know? I don't, I don't want to brag to anybody. And the thing is, you know, like I said, I'm f more physically fit now than I was at 25. You know, I, I, this thing I had in my, my mind once was that I used to, I used to show off to people, right, when I was in my 20s and 30s, that, you know, in school, you know those parallel bar dips that you do? Mm -hmm. you do these dips, right? So yeah. I, I, was a, I was a record holder in school. So I used to, I used to do 47 in one minute. So I'm kind of, you know, Michelle, I was telling people, ah, you know, I used to, I used to, I used to. When I began this growth journey, I stopped myself one day because right, I'm talking about mindset right here, you know, and how you speak to yourself. I said, my God, I've been telling myself I used to. Then I said to myself, you know what? Forget used to. I'm going to break that record. I'm going to break that record at 54 years of age. And guess what I did, Abby? You broke I smashed, it. MashaAllah. MashaAllah. Amazing. I got, I got 64 Mashallah, I can't do that. <laughs> Mashallah. Again, it goes back to the mindset. You know, if you tell yourself you can't do something, you know, like he who says he can and he who says he can't yeah. are both usually right. Yeah? Mm, yeah. So if Correct. you tell yourself you can't, you can't. If you tell yourself you can, my God, your body, your energy is going to get everything together to make sure that you work towards that goal. And you know what? For me, it was the most happiest moment uh, for me because it's like I stopped telling myself I used to. I can still do it. Mm. So, you, brother, Ajazi, is that look, I accept and validate what you're going through and what you've been through, what you're feeling right now. But for yourself, right, acknowledge that that's what you feel, yeah. but don't let that stop you doing something for yourself so you can mend yourself again. Mm -hmm. and have not an ordinary life brother you know if i was if, if i was to look at myself when i was 18 and imagine myself at 55 being married to an american revert mashallah and she's the love of my life right i consider her my soulmate mashallah she's moved out here to the uk for me right and that's something if i'd have thought that even four years ago i would not believe it but guess what you know by Allah's will, by Allah's father, you know, I did the work, right? And then somehow through his mercy, he made me see her. She she saw me, mm -hmm. right? 
and the rest is history. And you know what? I, we believe that, you know, our purpose actually is to help Muslims find love. So we believe that we've been brought together to fulfill that mission. SubhanAllah. You know, and we're ever so grateful to Allah. So brother, don't, don't limit the capacity that Allah has given you individually. There is so much that you will be able to achieve as long as you believe it. Mm. If you believe it, you're halfway there. Just believe it. Beautiful. I think there is no better way to wrap up this podcast than with those last final words. Mashallah. So beautiful and eloquent. Thank you for sharing so much of your wisdom today. So many insights that I'm sure not only benefit myself being here and listening to all of this, but everyone else that is going to listen and that has listened to this, inshallah, throughout this podcast. Where can people go to work with you, to learn more about you, to follow what you do and support you? I mean, um, my website is uh, tafazalcoaching.com. So you can see my name perhaps on the screen. So it's uh, all one word, tafazalcoaching.com. I have right there right now, actually, um, a, a downloadable workbook. You know, it's, it's my, my kind of gift to everybody. Um, it took a long time to put together. And I'm only saying that because, you know, I put my heart and soul in it. And the workbook is to help you to uh, look at your life. There's a, there's, a, there's a wheel of life, but, you know, it, it's more than a wheel of life. I have smart goals and I explain what smart goals are in there. And I give an example of a smart goal and you have a daily, weekly, monthly chart in there. So work on that. Download it. Uh, do it yourself. If you want to contact me, the details are actually on the website as well as the workbook. Um, so, so um, you know, it, 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 it's, it's coaching.com my email. So coaching.com if you need to contact me by email. But definitely, please, I urge you to download the workbook because it will help you to start gaining some clarity straight away. Um, and and, and, and they're, they're very, it's a very, very practical resource for you. Amazing, mashallah. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And as well, guys, make sure to uh, follow Brother Tafazal on LinkedIn, Tafazal Muhammad, or uh, Facebook, Taf Muhammad, on Instagram as well, Tafazal Coaching. So check that out as well. We'll drop all the links in the episode notes and in the comments wherever you're watching, inshallah. And as well, thank you just for listening to this, for you know being part of our listeners on this podcast, for following what we do. And if you enjoy these episodes, make sure to subscribe, rate the podcast, and we'll see you next week. Jazakallah khair. Assalamu alaikum.